Well, good morning, Vine Church. Today, this morning, I want to invite you to come and walk through the Christmas door of hope with me today. I invite you to come and to walk through this door. You may be in a valley of trouble right now or barrenness, but the Christmas story reminds us that your valley of trouble can be transformed into a Christmas door of hope. And I want to show you today what biblical hope is why you should desire hope and how you can grow in hope this Christmas. And hope is connected with anticipation. And I would like to help you today to be able to reframe waiting from being a frustration to being a beautiful and opportunistic womb where beauty and new life can grow. Now, for hundreds of years, God's people had been waiting, waiting for God to come, waiting for God to move, waiting for God to help, waiting for their Messiah, their Redeemer, a mighty one to come and to rescue them. They were waiting for another Moses to come and liberate the people of God from their bondage, to take them to a promised land and a better place. They were familiar with waiting. They were hoping for a better and brighter future. They were anticipating a brighter future than they were currently experiencing. And eventually God comes. He sends His Son, the Messiah, they had all been waiting for. And He came in a way that none of them expected. Now, God could have transported a 30-year-old Jesus straight to earth full of wisdom and power, but He chose a virgin called Mary and placed a baby inside her womb. Come on, God, hurry up. We've been waiting hundreds of years for you to move, and now we've got to wait another nine months for a baby to be born. Well, another nine months it was, and the King of Kings was born. Surely the kingdom would come in power now as he was visited by the shepherds and the wise men. The baby was born, so surely there's going to be some action, liberation, freedom, some movement. Time for things to change? No. They had to wait another 30 years for his public ministry to begin. Come on, God! We're in a hurry here. Can't you see our needs? Can't you see our mess? Can't you see the distress? When will you move, God? When will you help? When will you rescue? How long are we going to have to wait? Are we nearly there yet, God? <laughs> Anyone familiar with uh, the car journeys? Are we nearly there yet? Because the waiting for children is painful and tiring. And can't you see all the suffering we're currently enduring, God? Because waiting is hard. And the truth is, none of us likes waiting, especially these days. We've become more impatient than ever, and we've designed for our impatience. People don't like to wait on a bus. They don't like to wait in queues, and so we have queue busters. We don't like to wait on the phone, especially when there's cheesy 80s music playing. 
from a cheap old school keyboard. Don't like to wait on buffering websites so we've got ultra fast broadband. We don't like to wait to save up for things so we've got, we invent credit cards you can buy now and pay 10 times later. We don't like to wait on being served at McDonald's so we've got self-service screens. We don't like to wait on human beings, they're too slow so we have digital. We don't like to wait to get to our destination so we design super speed trains and planes. We don't like waiting. You know, when I was about 12, I broke my leg playing it uh, for um, Central Park in Cowdenbeath. It was a really bad break. A crack echoed around the stadium. And I had to be in full-length plaster, I was told, for six weeks. I was not happy about the wait because it ended up being 15 weeks because it wasn't repairing well enough. And I did not like waiting, especially we were all cooped into a one-bedroom flat in Grief Street, an upstairs flat in a bunk bed with my brother. I did not like waiting. I did not like scratching my leg with a knitting needle for 15 weeks. I did not like waiting 12 months to play my first game as a substitute and scored in that game, I remembered. But looking back in the waiting, it was when I first time I'd ever read a full book. In fact, Second book, first one was in primary school called Ollie the Trolley, but I don't think that really counts. This someone had gifted me with a Hardy Boys book. It was about two brothers going on adventures and solving mysteries, and because I had to wait, well, it was pre-mobile uh, phones, pre-iPhones. I know you can't believe that, young people, but yeah, we did live in a time before mobile devices. Two boys on adventures, two brothers. I wasn't to know at that time that years later, I would go to Haiti with my brother on adventures to solve puzzles. And possibly it was that waiting, that reading, that discovering that helped spark my love and enjoyment of reading and adventure and solving problems ever since. You see, waiting's not easy. It's not enjoyable. But waiting is a space for creating. Waiting is a space for creating. Waiting is a place for creating, accelerating, and anticipating. It's a place for activating, aggravating, and calibrating. It's a place for commemorating, concentrating, and delegating. It's a place for educating, elevating, and evaluating. Oh, it's not a waste because it's a place for excavating, generating, and hibernating. No, it's not a waste because it's a place for illuminating, incubating, and initiating. Oh, yes, it's a place for invigorating, liberating, and marinating. It's a place for meditating, navigating, orchestrating, and it's a place for permeating, renovating, and finally, saturating. No, waiting is not a waste of time or space. It's a beautiful space for creating. It's a beautiful place of opportunity for God to create and do His finest work. You see, I think God sees waiting completely different from us. We don't like it. God, I think, enjoys it. What if we could reframe the way that we view waiting? What if we could train our minds and thoughts to appreciate and enjoy 
waiting. What if we could see waiting as a beautiful opportunity to slow down? You see, believing the waiting is more beneficial. We need to believe that the waiting is more beneficial than the arrival, than the destination, than the end result. What if we could view waiting as beneficial rather than a nuisance? Imagine you're in a queue waiting to be served. You feel the the feelings of impatience, yet you manage to make the decision to remove the need to rush. You smile. You enjoy the queue, the experience, the person serving you. Imagine you're joyfully waiting on that queue on the phone, waiting to be answered by the stressed-out receptionist at your doctor's practice, and you're actually super gracious to her on the other end, even though she may be rude or abrupt because she's hurting and in pain and probably got a lot of shenanigans going on in her life. And they answer and apologize for the way, and you say, no, thank you. I enjoyed it. Recently, you see, I was watching a World Cup game of football, and I decided I would get my mobile phone, because I had to phone my mobile phone contractor to renew my contract because it was up. I thought it would be quick, it would be easy, and I wouldn't miss much of the football. I'd expected a quick call. I wasn't waiting. I wasn't expecting a wait. didn't want to wait, but I had to wait. I had to wait on an answer, and I had to be wait on about 100 questions just before they could actually answer the question that I had. I had to wait on the man whose English was good, but it wasn't that easy to understand, and he asked lots of questions. I could feel the sense of frustration, irritation, and annoyance rising up inside of me, and I had a choice to make in that moment, because I had to make a conscious choice, as we all do in the waiting. Be annoyed at the person in the wait, or see it as a beautiful opportunity. So while the man took all my details and tried to get all information, I asked him about his team in the World Cup. We talked about his team, Nigeria, and African teams in the World Cup, and we spoke of England and Scotland, or the lack of Scotland in the World Cup. I said, that's interesting, you're from Nigeria, because I've got friends from Nigeria, take up the mountains in Scotland, and he looked at me with somewhat surprise and almost disbelief. I said, in fact, my favorite sermon is from a Nigerian preacher called Robert Madu called I'm Annoyed. He says, I'm annoyed. I said, yeah, I'm annoyed. I'm not annoyed at you. That's the name of the, the title of the message is called I'm Annoyed. And he laughed. I said, he's preaching in somewhere called Elevation Church. So he gets his mobile phone out and YouTube and he says, can you spell it for me? I said, I'm annoyed. I apostrophe M, annoyed. He says, great, I've got it. I says, well, listen to him because he's a great preacher and that message is for you. And if you're ever feeling annoyed, get it out and start listening to him. People start irritating because they're impatient about the weight and the questions. Just get it out and learn to reframe your annoyance. You see, in waiting, we've got a choice to make. A bad mood, frustration, impatience. Or we can choose to see the beautiful opportunity for God to do his finest work. Yes, waiting creates beautiful mission opportunities for us every single day as we live a life of mission, on mission, partnering with the God of mission every moment of every day. Because the Apostle Paul was put in chains, the Apostle Paul had to wait 
for many hours, many days, under house arrest in chains. And the chains represent restriction of his freedom, restriction, frustration, and waiting from his plans and the expectations of how the plans of God should work out in his life. He was restricted. But how did Paul view his chains? Did he see them as a pest, an irritation, the devil having victory, the devil having the upper hand in his life? Did he view his chains as a curse? Well, he came to see his chains as a mission opportunity to partner with the God of mission. There's I'm annoyed, Robert Madhu. It's awesome, by the way. Very funny. Uh, what a preacher. Philippians 1, 12 to 14, the Passion Translation. I want you to know, dear ones, what has happened to me has not hindered. Paul just summarizes it and what has happened to me and almost skips over it. What has happened to Paul? He's been shipwrecked. He's been beat. He's been scourged. He's been chained. He's put under Roman guard. What has happened to me? Just skips over it. He says, it's not hindered. Wow. My chains have not hindered me. My wearing has not hindered me. He said, it's actually helped my ministry <laughs> of preaching the gospel, causing it to expand and spread to many people. For now, they wrote uh, the elite Roman guards and government officials of see, overseeing my imprisonment have plainly recognized that I am here because of my love for the anointed one. You may be in change. You may be in a place you don't want to be. would rather not be, feel restricted because of your love for the anointed one. And he said, and what I'm going through has actually caused many believers to become even more courageous in the Lord and to be bold and passionate to preach the Word of God. Why? All because of my chains. And Paul came to view waiting and even his chains, not as a hindrance, not as something to complain about or get frustrated about or annoyed at God, you're not doing it my way. You're not doing the way you did it for somebody else. You're not fulfilling my dreams in the way that I wish or I had thought or I anticipated. He came to see his chains not as a hindrance, but the very thing that God would use. He came to see them as opportunities for God to do his finest work. What if we could stop seeing our chains as a hindrance, but as an opportunity? His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Now, you see in the Bible, in the Old Testament, there was two main Hebrew words translated as hope, yachal and chava, and they both mean to wait for. So if we're going to be a hopeful people, we're going to have to be okay with waiting. We've got to become a people who have learned to embrace and enjoy the chains, the weight. Embrace whatever chains of restriction and waiting we find ourselves in and be faithful in the chains. You know, Noah had hope, but he had to wait for the waters to recede. Farmers plant vines and they hope, but they have to wait for the harvest and the good grapes. Farmers have to hope for rain, not so much in Scotland, 
but the wait for the morning dew and the rain to water their crops. And this hope, this waiting, is an anticipating a brighter future and circumstances. It's not just waiting on chance or luck, but it's a waiting on God. It's a hope in God. It's a wait on God. It's anticipating a brighter future, anticipating good grapes, bountiful harvests, rain to water the land because we wait on a gracious, a good, a loving, a faithful God, and we wait in hopeful anticipation for Him to act. Psalm 134 to 8, the translation, uh, the Passion Translation. But your forgiving love is what makes you so wonderful. No wonder you are loved and worshipped. And this is why I wait. Can we say wait upon you, expecting your breakthrough, for your word brings me hope. Can someone say hope? I long for you more than any watchman would long for the morning light. I will watch and wait for you, O God, throughout the night, throughout the darkness, throughout the chains, throughout the seasons of darkness when I can't see ahead. I will wait throughout the night, the long night that never seems to end, the night that is dark, that is cold, that is scary. I will wait on you, O God. O Israel, O people, O Vine Church, keep hoping, keep trusting, and keep waiting on the Lord, for He is tender-hearted, kind, and forgiving. He has a thousand ways to set you free. He Himself will redeem you. He will ransom you from the cruel slavery of your sins. And we can see why the psalmist waits on God with hopeful expectation, because he knows his God. He knows the character of God. He knows God's forgiving love makes him so wonderful. He knows the truth, the goodness and love of God, as he has proven himself time and time again throughout the words, the history of dealing with his people in faithfulness and love and compassion and care. He knows his God. The psalmist, he's in a pit of despair. He's in a night, a long night, a dark night that seems to never end. And maybe that's where you are right now. But from the pit of despair, he calls to mind. He remembers, he looks up to the forgiving love of his God. And he waits on God to come. He waits expecting breakthrough into the pit of despair. He waits expecting the hand that holds the world to reach down and lift him out of his pit. And where is the psalmist getting this hope? He says, your word brings me hope. Why does his word bring hope? Because his word is living and active. And when heard, believed, it brings hope. We're told that faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. So when that Word which is living and active is heard in faith, that Word comes, faith grows, hope comes alive again as you're reminded of the goodness, the faithfulness, and the power of God. 
as you serve and wait upon him. You see, the psalmist longs for God more than a watchman longs for the morning light. You know, God has designed the world so that waiting is part of our human experience. He's designed waiting to be part of our experience, and there's beauty in the waiting. He's designed the night, so we have to wait for the light. He's designed the pregnancy, so we have to wait for the new life. He's designed the seasons, so we have to wait for the end of the harsh, cold Scottish winter for the spring to come. He's designed the healing process, so we have to wait for the healing. He has designed the cooking process, so we have to wait for the beautiful meal. He's designed the agricultural process, so we have to wait for the harvest. And he's designed the kingdom, so we have to wait for his kingdom to come, the fullness of the kingdom to be experienced and for us to experience complete salvation. Because for God, waiting is not a frustration, but it's like a womb where new and beautiful life can grow slowly and steadily and perfectly. Your waiting is like a womb. Their God is creating. Waiting is creating. It's a vibrant atmosphere, an opportunity for something beautiful, precious, and significant to grow that you maybe hadn't planned. Because as humans, we long for the end experience. We long for the result. The watchman, he longed for the light. We long for the baby, the spring, the healing, the beautiful meal, the harvest, the kingdom, whatever it is, we long for the end result. But in the waiting, let's learn to long for God in the darkness, in the pit. Wait, ex long to experience God more than the end result. Long for His presence in the waiting, because it's in the waiting that we are transformed. We are prepared to be able to be ready to enjoy whatever it is that He chooses to bring next into our life and destiny. O Israel, O Vine Church, keep hoping, keep trusting, keep waiting on the Lord, for He is tender-hearted, kind, and forgiven. Psalm 39, verse 7, and now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. That's it. Waiting for God and longing for Him in the wait will prepare you and bring you the breakthrough in His way, in His timing. And like Mary, it may seem impossible right now, how will this be, you ask? Mary asked the angel, I'm just a virgin. But the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. You see, like Mary and Elizabeth, your situation may seem impossible. But wait, like Mary, wait on God, wait on breakthrough, wait on His timing, wait on His way, and surrender, as Zara talked about, surrender. May your word to me be fulfilled in your way, 
in your timing, according to your word, your plans, which I do not see, I cannot understand, because your ways are higher than my ways. Surrender your way, your timing, the impossibility. Let us learn to become good with waiting, with hoping, and trusting. And like Hosea, who was living in a dark, dark time, being oppressed by foreign empires in Hosea 2.15, Good News Bible. I will give back to her the vineyards she had and make the valley of Acre or the troubled valley a door of hope. Are you in a valley of trouble? Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's mental or physical health. Maybe it's in your workplace or in your marriage. But will you put your hope in Jesus this Christmas? Will you turn to God and look to him? Will you look up to him? Let his word come alive in you and bring you new hope and new faith. Will you no longer be frustrated by your chains, be frustrated by the darkness, be frustrated by the restriction on your movement? But will you trust that the same power that overshadowed Mary's womb and brought new life can overshadow your valley of trouble? your empty, barren womb, your empty, barren situation, and transform it into a door of hope? Will you have hopeful anticipation for your future? Will you look to Jesus, the author and finisher and perfecter of your faith, and wait on Him? Will you learn to enjoy the wait and long for Him in the wait more than the actual answer? Micah 7, verses 7 to 8, as we draw this to a close. But as for me, I will look to the Lord. Will you look? He says, I will wait for the God of my salvation, because he has the confidence that my God will hear me. Rejoice not over me, O my enemy, for when I shall fall, I shall rise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. He may not take you out of the pit in the moment you want it, but he will be a light in the pit. So even your darkness can be illuminated by the presence of God and transformed from being a dark, desolate, lonely, frightening place to be a place where God is with you in the fire so that not even the hair on your head or body hair is singed. You can have hope because you know your Father hears you. You can have hope if you're on the ground because you know that you will rise again. You can have hope in the darkness because He will be in the darkness to be your light. Because it was the power of the Holy Spirit that overshadows Mary's womb and birthed the Son of God. It was the Holy Spirit that caused Mary to abound in hope. And it was the same Holy Spirit that hovered over the darkness in Genesis to create the world and the universe. It was the same Holy Spirit who blew on the waters of the Red Sea to split the waters of impossibility to rescue God's people from the Egyptians. 
It was the same Holy Spirit who blew on the dead bones in Ezekiel's vision of the valley of dry bones and raised them to a mighty, powerful army. It was the same Holy Spirit who overshadowed Mary and birthed the Son of God in her womb. The same Holy Spirit that overshadowed the bones of Jesus in the tomb and resurrected him to everlasting life. And that same Holy Spirit lives in you. That spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. The spirit that split the Red Sea lives in you. The spirit that caused the valley of dry bones to become a mighty army lives in you. And that's why we can have hope. Because the spirit can overshadow your impossibility. He can overshadow your valley of trouble and transform it into a Christmas door of hope. So I want to invite you to walk through the Christmas door of hope this Christmas. Come through and be, walk through the door of hope, but you're invited to be on God's host team, to be an usher on God's host team, to join him in his mission, to welcome others, to move from their valley of trouble, to walk through that same Christmas door of hope as well, because Jesus is that door of hope that we are invited to enter into to find salvation and to go in and out and find pasture for our souls. Let us pray. We could have that uh, video ready. Just start playing that video, please, Ruben. And just sit on your seats. I want to pray and just invite the Holy Spirit. Let's play that song, please, Ruben. Thank you. I want to pray. I want to pray for you right now. The words of Romans 15, 13, that may the God of hope come now. May the God of hope come now and fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So I'm inviting the Holy Spirit as we wait right now, another little while before you get your coffee, <laughs> as we wait before we rush off. Let's see the beautiful opportunity of waiting is creating see what the Holy Spirit wants to create in you right now. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to overshadow your people right now. You overshadowed the barren, empty darkness of Mary's womb and created new life. Come, Holy Spirit, and overshadow right now some of you are in that dark pit you see no light at the end of the tunnel you've lost hope that your circumstance will change today he wants to make you abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit so let the Holy Spirit come let him overshadow you right now. 
can just sing those words to just just as you sit there just sing sing those words and allow we just say come holy spirit move in this place move in this place holy spirit us God let hope come back in your souls right now let the Holy Spirit overshadow you right now miracles happen miracles happen when we wait and fix our eyes on Jesus we just invite your Holy Spirit to bring miracles of healing in this place right now come on Touch the hem of his garment. Fix your eyes on him. Let miracles happen today. Just speak miracles of healing, physical healing right now. Over Stuart's shoulder, we just declare healing in Jesus' name. Let the power of the Holy Spirit overshadow Stuart's shoulder, Lord. Lord, is Aaron and Har lifted the arms of Moses, Lord, that Stuart's arm be lifted today without pain, Lord. We just ask for divine healing, God. We ask, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to bring healing in this place. Let minds be healed. Let hearts be healed. Hope be healed. Give you thanks for Ewan's new job as an example of waiting, Lord. We thank you. You and Mitchell, our brother, Lord, is an example of faithful waiting, faithful looking, and you've come through for him after many months of being jobless, Lord, that you have brought him through, and we give you thanks for that example, Lord. And we allow it, Lord, to inspire our hope, Lord, whatever it is that we are hoping and waiting for. You come through, Lord, but in the waiting, you do miracles. So let's stand to our feet, Vine Church. Let's put this song up, put it up on the big screen. You've got the words up there. Let's just, let's come on. Let's just stay in his presence. Allow the Holy Spirit. He's in this place right now. He's moving all over this place. Come on. Come on, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. We need you, God. Holy Spirit, overshadow the dark, barren places today. We say to Lazarus, he's to come out of dead tombs today. We say to broken bones to be healed today. We say to broken dreams to come alive today. We speak new life into you today. It's not too late. It's not too late. He's for you. You are known. You are loved. You're accepted. Despite our weakness, despite our failures, you're loved. You're known. He knows your pain. He knows your feeling of insignificance. He knows your weakness, but you're known. You're loved. You're accepted today. It's time for your dreams to come alive again. Time for your dreams to come alive again. You say, well, I've dreamed and it's not happened yet. I've dreamed before and I'm scared to dream again. What if, what if, 
What if it doesn't happen? Well, we wait on you, God. Yes, I know I can't do it. I know, Lord, I don't have it in me. I know I can't create it, but I wait in hopeful anticipation and expectation for you to come. I wait for you again, Lord. Put my hope in you once again, Lord. Let's sing this song. Come on, Ventures, let's sing. Sing along. Lindsay, come up and sing this with us, please, so you can help lead. Come and grab a mic and lead, lead us with this song as well, please. Yes, let courage rise up again, Lord. Steadfastness rise up, Lord. Learn to enjoy the wait. Ignore the feelings of rush and distraction that come. Push them aside. Make a conscious choice to be present in the moment. To be present with your God. Because miracles, miracles coming in this place. Miracles coming in this place. Miracles. We speak miracles, Lord. We thank you for the miracles, Lord, that brought us to where we are. Thank you for the miracles. You're a miracle God, a miraculous God. on sing it let's sing it miracles happen we believe it Lord we believe it Lord come on yes Lord we stir our faith Lord we believe you're a miracle miraculous God you still do miracles yesterday today and forever you're the unchanging God may not be in the way that I want it Lord but you're a miraculous God. You're a good and loving God. And we receive your miracles, Lord. We're hearing the testimony of miracles, Lord, in the coming days and weeks, Lord. Impossible situations. We've been waiting for years and you can do in a moment. Water. 
takes many months to be turned into wine, but in an instant, God, you can speed up. You can accelerate. You can accelerate the healing process. You can accelerate the impossible. And we invite you into our lives, to our emotions, Lord, to be fixed in a moment, Lord. One moment, Lord. One touch, Lord. As we lift our faith, as we put our faith in the Almighty God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for my brother Greg. We just say let the power of the Holy Spirit overshadow him, Lord, and his life, Lord. Healing completely for body, mind, spirit, Lord. Hope for the future, Lord. We speak hope into your life today, Lord. We pray miracles, Lord, in Greg and Michelle's life, Lord, and the life of their children. Father, we declare it in Jesus' name. We say that hope and faith rising up. Thank you, Lord, for your healing. Power of the Holy Spirit overshadow your people today. Band, come up and just as this song finishes, just take us into finish on, an, on a song of worship. Just as that song comes naturally to an end, we just hand over to the band. Keep on wearing Vine Church. Keep on believing. Miracles happen.